Man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited, y'all. Um, I, I wonder, and I know we've asked you this question a couple times, but I'm going to ask it again. If you're in the room and you say, Dwayne, something in my life needs to change, just let me hear from you. Something in my life needs to change. Me too. So here's what we're going to do. Every week, we're going to read this passage of scriptures, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I, I want this drilled in your mind over the next six weeks because it just happens to be a, a powerful, transformational uh, verse of scripture. Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I wonder if you'd read it out loud with me. Let's just make the devil mad. Is that all right? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here we go. Transformation starts today. So what needs to change? In you, what needs to change? Now, here's what we're real good at. I'm real good at going, hey, I'm going to tell you where Amber needs to change. I'm real good at, you know, telling my children how they need to change. I'm real good at focusing on other people and how they need to change but here's what i want you to do today what does what what needs to change in me over the next six weeks what needs to change in me over the next six minutes how many of you need something to change and change right now you ain't got six weeks to wait you need something to change today all right here we go nothing in life in your life, in my life, nothing changes. This is profound. Are you ready? You better hang on. This is really deep stuff. Nothing in your life will change until you change something. <laughs> Let that deep thought settle for a minute. Nothing's going to be different until you do something different. Henry Ford said it this way. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So if, if you don't change something, nothing's going to change. My buddy Billy Bonner posted this yesterday on Facebook, and I just was like, all right, Lord, that, I, I know it's hard for you to work through Facebook, but you did yesterday. <laughs> this little quote says, when you want different for yourself, you have to start moving different. Old keys don't unlock new doors. That's good, y'all. If you want something different, you got to do something different. If you're stuck in a rut, the only way to get out is to move. And so I hope over the next six weeks that you and me, we're all friends in the room, right? How many of you sometimes just need a little kick in your fanny to get moving? I do too. And that's what I hope this next six weeks is for all of us. A little kick in the fanny from the Holy Spirit. To sit, and it's okay that he just gets us moving in a different direction in many areas of our life. And I'm going to tell you, before, before he's going to work on your physical body and before he's going to work on your mind and your emotions and your finances and your relationship and your job, we got to start today with our soul. It all begins here. Because here's what I've noticed in my own life. And, and, and I can't, listen, I, I can't explain it. But the further I get away from God, the more my life is in shambles. Is that true for anybody else? The further I get away from God, the more my life just gets turned upside down. And, and listen, I'm not sure that that's not a great act of God's love and grace. Maybe we get far away from God and he turns our world upside down to try to get our attention from time to time. But the opposite is also true. The closer I get to God, the more my life works, the more transformation takes place. As I move closer to him and his plan and purpose for my life, things just work. That doesn't mean I never have a bad day. That doesn't mean that I, things go wrong. It just means that my life makes sense. I have purpose. Something is right when I get close to God. Transformation happens. Anybody in the room has seen God take depression and turn it into joy? Uh, turn, take bondage and turn it into freedom. <laughs> take anxiety, turn it into peace. Take worry and turn it into calm. That's what he does, y'all. And I believe that what he wants to do for us over the next six weeks is 
put us on a transformational path to health and healing in every part of our life. A path. Listen, I love this word, to victory. Victorious living. Man, I'm going to tell you, the enemy has some of you convinced that you're less than and not enough. And I'm going to tell you that if you know Jesus, you're a child of the king. You are bought with a price. You are a king's kid, and you belong in the family of God. That's good news. So don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. The Bible is full of transformation. He took Moses, who was a murderer with a speech impediment, and led millions of people. And transformed him so much that, the, that people couldn't even look on his face. Ooh, we, how, would you like some of that? He took David, an adulterous murderer, and transformed him into a man after God's own heart. Man, I want that. He took Paul, a religious zealot terrorist, and used him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. The Bible is full of transformation. And here's what I need you to hear. Is God didn't stop the transformation process when he closed the book. That today, God is still in the transformation business. And he wants to... And please get this today. It's not that God wants to transform somebody else. God wants to transform Dwayne. He wants to transform you. He's got a work he wants to do in you, not to just identify somebody else that needs to be changed. We're good at that, y'all. Oh, so-and-so, they need to clean their act up. I, mm, I saw them doing something. Had a roll tide shirt on. Help them, Jesus. Listen to me. Before you can get into the other areas right, you got to get this one fixed. The only way I can effectively see real, eternal, significant transformation in any area of my life is when I learn to walk closely with my Creator. And listen, that's not something that happens because you say a prayer one time. It's when I get up out of my bed every day, determined to walk closely with him and watch him transform my life. Listen, daily, every day. It's not something that happens when we, when we surrender our life to Christ and then it's over and done with. It's something that he wants, to, he wants to renew us and restore us every day. And we get a story of that in Luke chapter 15. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, some people call this story the um, story of the prodigal son or the lost son. How many of you heard the story of the prodigal son at some point in your life? Um, I, no, no offense to the people that write the little headings over on your Bible. I, I think it's not the story of a lost son. I think it's the story of a loving father. I can't, I can't read this story and not see me. And not just that I, the 14-year-old Dwayne, the 54-year-old Dwayne. Because truth of the matter is, we're all prone to wander. All of us. We, we, we all from time to time listen to the beckoning call to walk away from the Father's house. That's why this story is not just about a lost son. It's about a loving father. So let's, let's, let's read it. Luke 15, verse 11 says, Man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share. I want. I want. Anybody ever had your wants get you in trouble? Yeah, me too. I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. Young man didn't waste any time. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money. Have you ever wasted your gift? 
You ever wasted something God gave you? Wasted all his money in wild living. <laughs> Tell me this just doesn't just speak to, to reality of life. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. I mean, that's just how it works. You run out of money, things get tough. Your friends go away. Isn't that the truth, right? How many know when you got a pocket full of Benjamins, you know, every, you got all, all the friends you need, right? He said Benjamins. Great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He got hungry. Look at somebody say hungry. When I, where I grew up, we called it, it was hungry, hungry. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him out into the field to feed the pigs. Now, let me just interject something here. This was a Jewish young man. The lowest, the lowest thing he could do for a living had anything to do with swine. They were forbidden to even touch it, and now he's feeding them and taking care of them. He had fallen as low as he could go. The young man became so hungry, come on somebody, that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs, looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. He's in a bad way. He's away from the father's house. He's hungry. He's desperate. Verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses. Anybody remember that moment? Have you ever had that moment when you're like, what am I doing? He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants, you need to pay attention to that word servant, all right? Have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So look what he did. He returned home to his father. My favorite line in the whole Bible. And while he was still a long way off, maybe you don't remember what that was like, but I know what I'm, I remember what it was like to be a long way off. His father saw him coming. You know why his father saw him coming? Because he was looking for him. And he's looking for you. You say, Dwayne, you, you don't understand. I'm, I'm saved. I'm good. Stop. Stop. You are prone to wander. You are prone to walk away from the Father's house, just like everyone in this building. So don't think that the lost son is somebody else, y'all. He's still a long way off. His father saw him come and listen to the loving father. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He said, make me a servant. But his father, listen, his, listen, his father said back to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. What, what did the son ask his father to make him? We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He's lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Oh, that's good news, y'all. You know why it's good news? You, you know why you're excited? You know why you, because everybody in this building can relate to being a lost son. We've all been a lost son. We've all found ourselves far from God. Maybe you found yourself far from God for 20 years. Maybe it was 20 minutes, but everybody in this room has found themselves far from God. We've all spent time in a distant land wasting our gift. Everybody in the room, y'all, we've all wandered from the Father's house. But there's a path back home. There's a path back to the Father's house, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Here it is. It's four or five. I added one, so I don't remember which one it is. Four or five. The first one, you got to get fed up with your circumstances. 
Look, look what he said. He wasted it all. His money ran out. He began to starve. He finally came to his senses. Nothing is going to change in your life until you are desperate for change. None's going to change until you get hungry. None's going to change until you get desperate. Why are things, have you ever asked yourself that question, why are things not going well? Why does it seem like this problem sits on top of this problem and it gives birth to another problem and it's just one thing right after another? Now listen, I, I get it. Sometimes God does that to, to, to just discipline us and chasten us and, do, and, and, and form us and put us on the potter's wheel. But sometimes, listen to me y'all, sometimes it can be the voice of the father calling you home sometimes he lets our apple cart get turned upside down not because he hates you not because he's mad at you but because he's desperately in love with you and he wants you to come home he's trying to get your attention <laughs> he's not going to leave you like he finds you he loves you too much for that. That's why we say all the time around here, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Oh. <laughs> so I started dating Donna. I was 16, I guess. Now, I was in, and, and guys in the room that you've, you've met your person, you know that this is true. It doesn't matter what she asks, you'll do it. And, and see, my, my diet was kind of uh, limited when we first met. I pretty much ate pizza and hamburgers, fast food. I'd never been into a Mexican restaurant that didn't either have Dell or Bell in the name. <laughs> it's just true. And so we start dating, and she's like, hey, let's, let's go to this restaurant. She took me to a Chinese restaurant, and I was like, Lord, I'm just going to suffer through this because I don't eat this mess. Have, who's been to a Chinese buffet with Dwayne recently? <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know, I, I, I just, she broadened my culinary experience to a whole nother level. Now, now listen, if I wasn't willing to change, I'd still be eating pizza and hamburgers every day. You, now, that's silly. But unless you're ready to change, unless you're willing to do whatever you need to do, you're going to stay right where you're at. See, step one in this transformation is just getting fed up with where you're at. Step one is transformation is just not wanting things to continue as they're continuing. You ain't going to like this, but it just happens to be true. If you're willing to stay in the pig pen, you'll never find your way back to the Father's house. See, I, everybody I've, I've ever known that has experienced real I'm not talking about joining the church, y'all. Come on now. I I'm talking about real, eternal, significant, everything old is brand new kind of transformation. Got to this point in their life where they said, there's got to be more. There's got to be something else beside this pig pen. Isn't it weird, though? We'll experience that transformation, and all of a sudden the pig pen sounds pretty good again. We'll run right back to it. How many want something more? Come on, somebody. How many want something more? The Message Bible reads Jeremiah 29 like this. You'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. There will be no one beside you. No one. Nothing. Nothing. So you got to get desperate. You got to get fed up. You've got to have a hunger to not stay where you are. And that is true spiritually, that's true physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, relationally. You've got to get to the point, something has to change. You've got to get fed up. You've got to get fed up.
My mom used to say that all the time. Dwayne Michael, I am fed up. <laughs> that's where we have to get. Fed up. Number two, we got to own up to my sin. Look at what he said. Luke 15 says, when he came to his senses, he said, I have sinned. I have sinned against heaven and you. I've sinned against God. I've sinned. I, it's, it's, it's my sin. And, and you're like, and here's what I don't want you to do this morning. I don't want you to go, well, you know, I'm good. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't do this and this and this and this anymore, so I'm good. Here, here's what the Bible says, y'all. And y'all, I'm just going to, I didn't write the book, and God didn't tell me it was okay for me to edit it. So I'm just going to tell you what it says. Book of James says, for a man that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Let me tell you what, sometimes what sin looks like in the life of good church-going Christian people. Sometimes sin looks like control. Sometimes sin looks like um, as long as I'm in control of my life and my circumstance of my home and my relationship of my money, as long as I'm in control, I'm good. And I'm going to tell you that if you got to control it, he can't. And that is sin. Sometimes sin in the life of good church-going Christian people looks like fear. I can't have fear for my future and confidence in God at the same time. I, I, I love my children and I love my grandchild. I love my daughters-in-law. And, and, and now listen, let me just drop this little bomb on you. Uh, concern and fear are two different things. Okay, healthy concerns, okay. But when I'm up late at night because I'm worried about about what they're doing and how they're doing. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, then I don't have any confidence that God's in control. Sometimes fear looks like worry. Is worry really a sin? Well, Jesus told you not to do it, so I'm going to say yes. Right? If I've... If we, we said this a couple times around here, that what you worry about the most is where you trust God the least. Sometimes sin in the life of good church-going Christian people looks like idolatry. Dwayne, I don't have any idols in my home. No, most of the time it's pictures of dead presidents. It'll settle later. Money. Pictures of dead presidents. Wow. Sometimes it's my job that I've placed in front of my creator. I'm going to tell you that if it separates you from your father's house, it is sin. And the only way to get it fixed is to own it. The prodigal son said, it's I sinned. And what we want to do is we want to, yes, I did something wrong, but, it, but if, if, if they wouldn't have made me, if they would have treated me better, if my boss hadn't have pushed me to the end, if my wife would be a better wife, my husband be a better husband, my kids wouldn't act a fool. Listen, it's got to, you can't, you can't give it to God as long as you've got it attached to somebody else. It's my sin. My idolatry is my sin. My worry, my fear is my sin. My frustration, my lust, my anger, my... my uh, my resentment of the past, my unforgiveness, my gossip is my sin. And the only way you're going to get cleansed of it, the only way transformation is going to take place is when you own it. Yes, it's mine, but I'm going to give it to you. You ever said this? I feel like God's a million miles away. You ever said that? Be careful what you admit to. Look at, what, look at what the Bible says. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your sins are the roadblock between you and your God. 
That's why he doesn't answer your prayers or let you see his face. So let that settle for a minute. Now listen, I, I know God goes quiet sometimes for a lot of different reasons. When he's, he's beckoning you to go a little bit deeper. But I, I'm going to challenge you with something. If, if you don't feel like you're, you can experience the presence of God, you don't feel like you, your, your prayers are getting answered, you don't, you don't feel like you're as close to God as you used to be, let, let the first thing be, God, where have I sinned? Show me. And he will. <laughs> you're probably not going to like this, but it just happens to be true. You're as close to God as you want to be. Period. You're as close to God as you want to be. I've never seen him turn away a hungry heart. And he's not going to start with you. If you want to go closer, guess what? He's available. His Holy Spirit is, is in this room. He's, it, it, he was waiting on you when you walked in the door. When you get in your car in the morning, guess what? He's waiting on you. He's as close as your breath. What do I do? <laughs> Psalm 51. Now, now listen, I, we don't have time to tell you this whole story, but, but David did some pretty sinful things. Um, if you know the story, David committed adultery, committed murder, and, and the prophet called him out on it. His pastor said, hey, I know what you did. And here's David's response. And this, this ought to be ours. He said, have, David said, have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Listen, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. Listen, yes, we are all prone to wander. We are all prone to sin. The Bible, the New Testament says that when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Christ Jesus. We go to him in humble repentance, confess our sin, and he blots it away. And that's the good news. <laughs> Isaiah said it like this, come now. I, this is this is, I love this version come now. Let's settle this <laughs> Says the Lord. in other words. Let's get this taken care of Though your sins are like scarlet. I'll make them white as snow Though they are red like crimson I'll make them white as wool Oh, come on somebody See that's how that works. anybody thankful that Even though you wasn't good enough even though you couldn't get it fixed on your own there was a day when God said, come, let's get this taken care of. Let's get this fixed. Let's settle this once and for all. Some of you in the room are, need to land on, on this third little step, and it's, it's checkup. See, I, I think what happens, man, we, we give our life to Christ, and we join the church, and we, you know, we start we're a greeter, we're a drummer, we're a piano player, we do what we do, we come to the, the, all the classes, and all of a sudden we just, we just get caught in this little mode of just going through the motions. So I'm going to challenge you today to check your heart. I'm going to challenge, listen, how many know I can't, I can't give this to you unless I've walked through this process myself? Regardless of how long you've been following Christ, regardless of how close you think you are to Christ, use this campaign, especially this week, as a spiritual checkup. Where am I? The Message Bible reads 2 Corinthians like this. Test yourself to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. In other words, if you recognize this morning that something is wrong in your life, get it settled today. Don't wait till next week, next month, 20 minutes after church. Get it settled today. If there's sin in your life that you know doesn't belong, get it settled today. Today today <laughs> those of you that are going to jump all in you're going to 
you're going to have a memory verse this week. And, and I know Angie Banks is going to like this memory verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That is good news, y'all. All right, number four. <laughs> after we've recognized our sin, after we've gotten fed up with where we're at, after we've, after we've checked ourselves, taken care of what needed to be settled, we're going to, you're going to, I'm going to offer up myself. There's something very cool in this story that I'm not sure that I ever saw until, until this week. The son went away saying, give me, didn't he? He came back saying, take me. And, and listen, everybody in this building has been in, an, in a give me kind of state one time or another. In, in fact, how, how many times have you found your prayers being God, give me this, and take care of this, and fix this, and do this, and heal this, and provide this, and I'll see you. Maybe, what would happen if our prayers looked more like, Lord, take me, and do with me today what you would have. Use me for your glory and my good. Would you take me, take my life, take my day, take my family, take my job, take everything that is me, and use it for your good, and your glory, and watch what take me in, in fact that's a that's a phrase of desperation when your way has failed miserably isn't it good to know that we can crawl back to the father's house and say take me i need you it's called surrender y'all we say that word a lot and that's the key to transformation surrender is the key Truth of the matter is, as long as you're, as long as you're stubborn enough to want to do it your way instead of God's way, you're probably going to stay right where you're at. You're probably going to stay in the pig pen. And and, and this is y'all. This isn't a money sermon, but can I just can I use that as a kind of to help illustrate what I'm talking about? I've had people come to me and say, "My finances are in a shambles. I'm buried in debt, and I I don't know what to do." And, and I'll say, are, are you doing things God's way? Are you, are, you, are you giving of your first fruits? Are you trying to stay out of debt? Well, no, but I can't. I'm like, well, you just told me you're upside down. Your way's clearly not working. Try something different. As long as you are convinced that your way is going to make it, it's, you're going to stay right where you're at. And that's true in every area of your life. It's true in your... I, I, we, got, we got folks in here that are real uh, disciplined when it comes to going to the gym. And you know, you, guess what? I, I can't go to the gym one day for one hour and be completely transformed. It's not how it works. I got I to gotta do it the right way. You know what my way would be? Is I get a six-pack eating chicken wings. It, <laughs> Doesn't work. I've tried. It's true in every area of your life. It's true in your mental life, in your emotional life. Listen, you keep putting trash in your mind. Don't, don't wonder why your mind's full of trash. Our verse that we read, Romans 12 and 2, I'm, I'm going to back up a verse. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer. Somebody say offer. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, worship's not what I do with my hands. Worship is when I give God myself. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The first step in transformation is offering God yourself. That's how it works. That word transformed only appears, 
the, you guys know the, the Bible's written in Greek, and this is not a Greek lesson, but I want to give you uh, that word transformed in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is a Greek word, metamorphu. Does that sound familiar? It's metamorph. We get our word metamorphosis. And it, it, let me tell you what that word literally means. A complete, thorough transformation. Hmm. So when we offer ourselves to God, what's, how does he respond? Well, l let's look at how he responded to the lost, the lost son. See, the father's response to you offering him you. God, take me. I, I know I, I'm, I'm broken and, I, and I've got stuff in my life that's, that's messed up. And I, I, take me. Take me. Here's how he responds. <laughs> While he's still a long way off filled with love and compassion, he ran out to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And he said, bring him the best. Bring him the best robe. Bring him the best ring. You know why that ring is significant? Because that's, in those days, that ring is, is like a credit card. It's a signet ring. It was like, if, if Mikey would have been gone and come home and I hand him an American Express black, I don't have one, but I'm just saying... The best robe, the best ring, the best sandals, the best meal. You don't do that for a servant. You do that for your son. And lastly, once, once we offer ourselves to our Father, to our Creator, to Jesus, then we're going to lift up my praise. He said, we're going to celebrate with a, pre with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He's lost and he's now found. And the party began. And can I tell you, I get so frustrated with Christians whose lives have apparently been redeemed that have no joy. That, that you guys are on social media. I, I, get, I get in the middle of all these groups now, and I'm, I'm trying to get out of them because it's this group hates this group because they don't believe like this group believes, and, and, and it's, just a, it's just a bunch of nonsense, y'all. And, 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 and that's not how the church is supposed to operate. You, you know how the church is supposed to operate? We're supposed to be broken, busted, but redeemed human beings that have placed our life in the hand of redeeming Savior, and now we spend the rest of my, our lives lifting up a shout of praise to the goodness of God for what He's done in our life. That's what it's supposed to look like. Can I, can I help y'all? Listen to me. And some of you are going to push back on this, but I'm going to give you a little challenge. From now until as long as we're a church, okay? When you come in here on Sundays and we start singing, sing. Sing loud. Well, Dwayne, I don't sing so good. Well, that's okay. Frankly, none of us sing very good. But you know what we do? We lift our voice to the Lord. And he, I, I heard Rick Warren talks about a, uh, a, a guy in his church that was suffering with, the, with depression. And he went to a psychologist. And the psychologist said, found out that he went to Saddleback and said, when you go to church, do you sing? And he said, no, I just pretty much go to listen to pastor. And he said, for the next three weeks, Sing. Sing loud. Lift your voice. Three weeks later, his whole attitude completely transformed. There's something powerful about lifting your praise to God with your voice. I'm, if you walk in here and you've got the mully grubs and you feel bad, I, I get it. Don't, don't serve on the greeters team. You know, take that week off. Donna fires up that piano you start you sing and sing so loud people turn around lift your and i promise you you lift your praise to god and things will change you'll feel different 
the Bible's full of powerful uh, declarations of what happens when we sing our praise to God, when we lift our praise to God in music and song. If your eternity is sealed, you have something to celebrate. And it's time that Christian people stop walking around like... I had this, had this friend one time, and she was praying for her husband to get saved. And, she, y'all, she just, she just had this sorry attitude. And I saw her with him, and, well, you need to straighten your act up, and you, didn't, you, you, need, to, you need to act better, and you need to be a better husband, you need to be a better father. Rode him like a cheap mule. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I wouldn't want that God. I believe that what God wants to do, the whole reason I'm so pumped up about this process of transformation is when you get transformed and I get transformed and we start lifting our voice in praise to the Lord. Guess what happens? Your story changes. And when you leave this building, all of a sudden the spirit of the Lord is radiant on your face and people are going to go, what happened? What changed? And what you can say is one word, Jesus, Jesus changed. That's what happened. The, uh, the old stuff, the guy you used to know is gone, and I've got a brand new life, and I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm still working out some junk, and God's still working some junk out in me, but I'm not who I used to be, and there's only one reason, and it's Jesus, and he gets glory, and he gets praise, and when that happens, guess what happens? The, we used to call it revival. When people start deciding, i got to get what some of those folks have got. All right. I want you to bow your heads with me. Psalm 13, 6 says this. Dwayne, why why are you talking about this? Why why is it so important we sing? Psalm 13, 6 says, I will sing to the Lord because he's good to me. So here's how I think I want us to end this service. Nobody's looking around. I want you to search your heart this morning. I want you to pray a very dangerous prayer. Something like this. Lord, what do you want to change? What do you want to change in me? What's in me that doesn't look like you? What attitude, what action, what addiction do you want to change? What resentment, what worry, what fear, what depression, what anxiety, what hurt do you want to change? let the Holy Spirit search your heart y'all because I want want you to hear me as that stuff begins to bubble into your spirit and you you begin to recognize some things that God wants to change I want to make a promise to you he wouldn't bring it to he wouldn't bring it to the surface if he wasn't willing to do something about it so I'm telling you that God's going to do a a work in your heart and he I, I believe he wants to begin it this morning right now not next week or next month he wants the process of transformation to begin today. But here's where you got to get. You got to get fed up with where you're at right now. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of living like I'm living. I'm tired of the circumstances that, that's here. And I'm, I'm hungry and I'm desperate for something to change. And in this process, God may reveal some sin, some things in your life that don't belong. And He's not doing that because He's a a taskmaster. He's not doing that because he's a judge. He's doing that because he's a loving father. 
And you need to own it. I need to own it. God, this is my sin. The Bible calls this process repentance. When we recognize our sin, ask God to forgive us, and then turn from it. take it one step further. God, you you take my life. And, and here's the hard part. All of it. My family, my career, my future. It's, it's yours. Today, tomorrow, every day. do that. My, my life verse is Jeremiah 29 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you hope and a future. See, the reason you're going to offer your life to Christ is because he can do so much more with it than you can do on your own. Jesus said he came to give you life and life more abundant. And here's, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to sit in a church all your life and never experience that abundant life. And all you experience is religion. Because I'm going to tell you that Jesus has so much more for you than just religion. He has life and abundant life. But you got to offer him yours. And he'll take it and give you a brand new one. And then you're going to live every day to offer praise to your King. Offer praise to your God. Offer praise to your loving Father. I think it would be in order if we just took a moment to pray. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not, not going to ask you to raise your hands because i got a funny feeling that everybody in this room is seeking transformation. I'm going to pray, but I would love for you to pray along with me. And, and just for today, I want you to pray selfishly. I don't, I don't want you to pray for transformation for somebody else. I want you to pray for transformation in your life. And let's watch what God wants to do over the next few weeks. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this beautiful story of a loving Father. And I'm not so proud to declare that I know what it feels like to be in a pig pen. I know what it feels like to be a long way off. And I'm thankful that you saw me there, ran to meet me, threw your arms around me, held me close. So God, as we begin this, season of transformation in our church. God, I recognize that you can't transform our church until you transform us as individuals. So God, I pray for every hungry heart here this morning. God, I just sense in my spirit that there's those that are tired of living in a pig pen. You've challenged them today to do something different. God, it all starts with us recognizing our sin, repenting of our sin, and offering our lives to you. And so, God, I, would, you, would you receive us? Take us today. Spirit of the Lord, do what only you can do in hearts and lives this morning. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> I can't live this life on my own. I need you. We need you. Today's a new day. 
you listen to me. I believe this is a word from the Lord for somebody. Today's a new day. You've walked through some circumstances and some trials and, and some hardships, but they've all brought you to this moment. Where you can finally say, I'm ready, I'm desperate, I'm hungry enough to say, God, take my life. I need you to know God's heard your prayer this morning. I need you to know that your loving Father has been watching you all along, even while you were still a long way off. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you and longs to hold you close. Here's what I'd love for you to do right now in this moment. Just speak a word of worship. Just, if God's done something spectacular in your life this morning, just thank Him. If He's drawn you to Himself today, thank Him and, and honor Him for His goodness. sense your presence here and so here's what I would ask as we as we leave this place today Holy Spirit without your anointing without your seal these have just been words but today God I pray that you will seal what's been done today in hearts and lives in Jesus name Jesus name. Hey, here's what I want you to do. I, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but I, I, I just, I want you to hear this. In, a, in an act of surrender, I, I wonder if you just lift your hands toward heaven. Just lift your hands toward heaven. Lord, we offer ourselves to you today. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.